Hello everyone, I'm Pastor Dylan and welcome to the Dayspring Wesleyan Church Podcast. The best way to stay connected to the life of the church is downloading our app. Simply go to the App Store, search for Church Center, and download the app and enter the information for our church. This will connect you to our church community. I pray the following presentation will inspire you to come closer to God in this journey of faith. Enjoy listening. Um, I want you to turn in your Bibles again to uh, Psalms 23 as we focus on basically verse 6 today. Uh, so yesterday was Veterans Day. And uh, uh, I just want to start out with a little bit of this. But if you have served in any forms of, of the military, would you please stand up? We would uh, just like to show our appreciation to you today if you wouldn't mind. Thank you. Uh, just on behalf of the congregation and um, really just a, you know, just a grateful nation as well, we really thank you for all that you have done to serve. I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm still one of those guys that I believe that um, when you hear the national anthem, I believe that you rise, I believe that you stand and you meditate and think about what people have done in order to sacrifice for our freedoms that we have today. When I say the Pledge of Allegiance, I make sure that I... I stand and I say that and I think about the words that are being said when I'm at a ball game. If my kids are messing around, I make sure that they stop what they're doing for a moment because we need to stop. And I don't know about you, but when I still hear, you know, and the rockets are glare, I, there is this kind of patriotic chill that I get in thinking about um, how that we are so blessed to be in a country like we have. And I'm not always happy with the things that happen in our country. Uh, the vote last week is not, not one of those things that, you know, makes me excited. Um, but I still believe that what the founding fathers put together so many years ago is still relevant and still where we need to be today. And even though I have this, what I would consider an amount of patriotism, I don't think that I'll ever fully have it for those that have served who have put themselves in harm's way, who have really maybe lost some of their innocence, maybe uh, have lost some limbs, uh, maybe even um, some of you know people that have lost their lives in making sure that we are afforded the freedoms that we have today. Like that sacrifice that they put is just overwhelming to me. And I think about what causes a person to be in a position like that to sacrifice their life, to put themselves in harm's way. And what's amazing to me is at the end of the day, it's because they have this belief in a country and in a cause. And they still feel like America is a great place to experience the freedoms that we have. And so at the end of the day, their sacrifice, they believe, is for the good of all of us that we experience even here today. The idea that we can come into a worship service and sit and freely worship Christ, that's been afforded to us by the sacrifices of so many. I really believe this helps us get into our passage of today as we read together and we think about all that David went through in his life. So let's read this together. It says, The Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me and your rod and your staff, 
they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup, it overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we've read this several times now over the last several weeks, and it's something that um, many of us have either heard or known have even committed it to memory. And I thank you for allowing us to begin to experience what David went through as a boy to when he was a king and all that he experienced in life brought him to the place where he wrote this magnificent psalm and a psalm of dedication about your goodness and your greatness. So, Father, I pray today as we would finish up our series, I pray that there is anyone who does not know you, that they would make a decision to say that this is my shepherd as well. And I will be a sheep and I will follow him all the days of my life. Even if he walks me through dark valleys, I'll go. I appreciate the times that he makes me lie down. And I appreciate the times that he he leads me beside the quiet waters. And I thank you for allowing me to have a table that is in the presence of my enemies. And to be able to enjoy your goodness. Father, as we get into the text today, if there's anything that I would say that is incorrect, I pray that you would clean it up in the ears of your people so that your voice is the one that they hear from and they experience your love today. In your name we pray, amen. So we're basically focusing now on this last verse, and it says this again, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And you remember, like we've talked about in this text, this is a whole passage where David is basically, I think, taking... um, And sharing a metaphor about something that he experienced in life. Like David was a shepherd. He knew what it was like to have sheep. He knew what it was like to see them wander away from time to time and have to correct them and put them in place. He knew what it was like to feed them and to take care of them. He knew what it was like to protect them from any enemies that would come in their way. He knew what it was like to lead them into mountainous areas and down into these dark valleys and for the sheep to be a little bit nervous and scared. And then he knew what it was like to bring them to this place of this lush foliage that they could eat and experience and have this cool, refreshing water and be satisfied in that moment and know that they are protected because they are in the presence of their master and their shepherd. And David said this, even as a king, and even though I've experienced all the greatness of life, I still acknowledge that God is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And I shall not be in one. I lack nothing. Because he provides everything. And there are times, like we've said before, that the Lord, he has to make us lie down. Because we've gotten so busy in life that sometimes we just need to shut down. I believe that's why he created our bodies the way he's created us. Because if you know, if you overexert yourself, there are times when you just have to stop. You just can't do anything. There are times when you overexert yourself that you'll find that you get sick. And you have to lay in bed and you have to get healthy. And God has created our bodies that way. You and I know that, uh, especially the older I get, the, the more I recognize how out of shape I am. You know, and I have this thing, and I think it's a man thing, but sometimes I like to prove my strength. You know, I don't know about you, but I I was with um, a bunch of high school guys once as a youth pastor, and they said, hey, Pastor Chuck, we heard you used to lift, and I'm like, yeah, I used to lift. 
You know, like I was like, I, I, I had a record for the state bench press, you know. I mean, I weighed, uh, I weighed 120 pounds at the time, and I could bench uh, 275, you know. I'm like, yeah. So I was pretty impressed with that. So they were like, hey, do you want to lift with us? And I'm like, yeah. Now, I went in, and I thought to myself, I haven't lifted in years, right? So I'm like, you better just take it easy, you know. Well, that all went out the window when these guys started lifting because they were lifting a little bit more weight than me, and I was like, I can't have these punks show me up. You know what I mean? Like, I just can't do it. And so I was like, put more weight on there, put more. And so next thing I know, I was doing, you know, 250 pounds and doing some reps with it, and I felt pretty good until I woke up the next morning. <laughs> and I could not move. And I did something to my neck to where I was doing like this all day. What's up? What's up? You know? And if people touched me, man, I mean, it felt like I was on fire. Like, I couldn't take it, you know? So I understand that sometimes God needs us to just get down and be in rest and let our muscles and our bodies take care of themselves. So that's why I appreciate when he makes us lie down. I appreciate the times that he makes us walk beside the quiet waters because I think we're living in a time, and especially now, where the voices in the world are so loud and so destructive that there are times that you and I need to be led beside the quiet waters where we need to be a part of nature and we need to get into the Word of God and we just need to experience that still, small voice. That voice that spoke to Elijah in the cave. After all the great things that were being done, after the, the storms and the winds and the earthquakes, and Elijah was waiting to hear from God, and it says he could not hear from God in any of those moments. And it wasn't until he went in a cave, and he sat there, and it says that a gentle whisper, or actually the better translation is a gentle blowing. A gentle blowing crossed his ear, and in that moment, he felt the presence of God. Like, that's amazing and major. Just a little blowing from the Lord that crossed his ear that he felt the presence of God. And you and I need those moments where we reject everything that's going on, where we put down our phones, we put down the TV, we get rid of all the distractions, and you and I just spend a moment just listening to God. Some of you say, well, I've never heard from God because he never took time to listen. And you and I need to take some time to just listen and watch as the Holy Spirit leads us. And so he leads us in that. And then at the end of the day, David understood that because he knew that there were times that he had to get away and have the, 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 the alone time with God. And he needed the rest because he had been into battle so much. But he also experienced how his enemies would come against him and how they would attack him over and over again. And even David said, even in the valley of the shadow of death that you lead me for, even in the presence of your enemies, which we talked about the valley of the shadow of death, you remember? And one of the things we said that, and I like that translation better because even for you to have a shadow there has to be light that occurs and the light of God is so real and so powerful that even in our darkest times that God's light still shines through and you and I need those moments when we're in the presence of the God that we're walking through some pretty dark situations in life where we experience God's love and we just sit there in a moment and understand at the end of the day that he is protecting us, that he is guiding us. And then we read last week that he sets a meal before us. And you and I have got to find those times where we just spend a moment with Jesus. 
reading his word, talking to him, and listening to him. And you and I will find that the more that we eat at the Lord's table, the more that you and I will be filled. But if you and I decide to starve ourselves of this, you'll have such hunger pains, you won't know what to do with them. And those hunger pains will just become normal. And you'll have an emptiness that you can't do anything with. You see, God wants to feel that in your life right now. And David said, even all that I've ever experienced, all the tough times that I've been through. And David, by the way, after his sin, his rest of his life, if you read Samuel, was full of torment and problems and all that. He was attacked by his enemies, but he was also attacked by his family. Those people that he loved the most also attacked him. That's what he experienced after his sin. But even in the midst of all this, David writes this psalm. And in verse 6, he says it again. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, what David was saying is, even though I experienced all this junk, even though I've been attacked on every side, I still find the most refreshing moments when I'm in your presence. And I think if you and I would be real and honest, we would say probably the most refreshing times that you and I have had is when we're in the presence of Jesus. That's why like a women's retreat that, they, that the women experienced yesterday, that's why you come leaving there feeling, that was good, that was fulfilling. The one of the things I loved as a youth pastor is I loved taking my teens to, to youth camp or to these like major retreats and these conventions because what would happen is those things is we would get rid of all the other outside junk and they would just focus in on Jesus and they would leave from there feeling filled up feeling satisfied because why? Because they had been in the presence of God and they got rid of all these other distractions. And in those moments, I believe like David, they could say, surely your goodness has followed me. Surely your goodness has followed me. David experienced that in even the worst of times. David experienced so much trouble in his kingdom after his sin. And again, he understood the need for rest. He understood the need for peace. He understood what it meant to be attacked. But he also understood that in all circumstances, whether good or bad, God's goodness still followed him. And so what I would say to you about this is that the goodness of God, that the goodness God has shown in the past, will be the same that I receive now and into the future. And I think some of us need to remember that there are some things that we've experienced in the past that we need to say, that that we know that God was there, that he was real, that he was present. And so if that God helped us in the past, it says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if God helped us in the past, I know that he can help me where I'm at today. And I also know that he can help me where I'm planning on going in the future. You see, because that's the God who follows us. He doesn't desert us. He doesn't leave us. He stays with us each and every day, each and every path of our life. And we can experience that. Paul understood this, by the way. We just got done reading some of Philippians and understand that Paul went through some trials and some tribulations as well, was put in prison for speaking about Christ. But when he's given a letter to Timothy, he says in 2 Timothy 1.12, which Dylan was reading from a little bit earlier, it says, that is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know what I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. 
And I love that passage because I know whom I have believed. Paul said, even though I've experienced suffering, even though I've been put in prison, like, it's okay. Because at the end of the day, I know whom I have believed in. And I know that Jesus is worth it. This is the same thing the disciples experienced. You know why we have a church today? First of all, Jesus Christ predicted it. But secondly, it's this. These disciples encountered Jesus Christ. And it wasn't just his life that they encountered. They saw him die and they saw him come back alive. And when they saw him come back alive, it's what they wanted to talk about. It's what they wanted to share. And they were willing to suffer because of it. Because they understood the goodness of God. We remember what Jesus was when he was here with us on earth. We saw that he just overcame death. And he tells us he's coming back. So therefore, I can commit to that. As I was reading that line, uh, for some of you that have, have grown up in the church, there's a hymn that is probably familiar to you. And it says, for I know whom I have believed And man, what a powerful hymn that has been over the course of my life. This hymn comes to us, by the way, from Daniel uh, Whittle. Uh, He lived from 1840 to 1901. He wrote multiple hymn texts under the pseudonym L. Nathan. Whittle fought in the army during the American Civil War and marched with General William Tecumseh Sherman through Georgia. When he was in one of the battles, he led a group and he was actually stabbed in the arm and his arm had to be amputated. He became a major at the end of the war as well. But in the midst of all that and everything that he experienced, he recognized this closeness to the Lord. He wrote these words of this song. And it's interesting how the song and the, and the verses start out because each verse starts out with a sort of a negative statement. And the first verse says, I know not why God's wondrous grace. In other words, it says, I don't understand why God is so gracious to me. I don't get that. He then goes on to say in the next verse, I know not how this saving faith In other words, he says, I don't even know how salvation works. I don't understand exactly how this is put together. He goes on again to say, I know not how the Spirit moves. Talking about, I know that the Spirit is in there, but I don't know why and when he talks to us. I I don't quite understand it. And then he goes on to say, and I know not what of good or ill. I don't know why some good things happen. I don't know why some bad things happen. Like, it just doesn't all make sense to me. And then he ends his last verse with, I know not when my Lord may come. He says, I have no idea the day that the Lord will come. But after each verse, he makes the positive statement. But I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. All those negative comments. At the end of the day, even after everything he experienced in life, he would say, the one thing I know that's true is that Jesus is real, that he is alive, and that he is well. And though I may not understand the way he works, 
I still know that he is faithful and I still know that he has a bigger plan in mind. You see, some of the things that you and I have gone through in life, I, we could sit and share, we could talk about why this happened. At the end of the day, we may never come to a conclusion. Like, I don't understand why bad things happen to good people. I don't get it. I don't understand why we have to experience all this pain and suffering in life. I have ideas, and we can talk about it. But at the end of the day, I'll hear some stories from people that just are so mind-blowing, I don't know how to get past it. Then there are some times, even in my own life, when I've experienced such great pain, that I think, Lord, why are you bringing me through this moment? And I know that you've had those same things and had those same discussions. But here's what I know. I know that I believe in Jesus Christ. And I know that he has my best interest at heart. And I know that he has your best interest at heart as well. The God that was with me in the past will be with me in the present and will continue to be with me in the future. And if I could just stop that passage right there, I would be great. But I have to tell you, this is the way my mind works, so sorry, people. But... I get to the end of this whole psalm thing and feeling pretty good about who God is and he's our shepherd and we're his sheep. But then at the end of the day, I was like, you know what though? At the end of the day, sheep, they're sacrificed. Like they die. Like some of them have to give up of their bodies. They have to give up the wool and stuff and you know, they get shaved and others like they get killed and then you eat them as meat. And I wanted to blow that off when I thought about it because I'm like, surely the Lord didn't say that you're going to be sacrificed. And so again, I wasn't even going to mess with that part of the passage. Well, then we got into staff devotions and Pastor Colleen was reading these different verses and I'm not even sure what else she said because I couldn't get past this one verse because here's what I recognize. A sheep ultimately becomes a sacrifice. Here's what she read in Romans 8, 36. As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Now, I didn't want to hear that because I didn't want to wrestle with that part. You know, I thought, I just want to sit in the goodness part. I don't want to consider myself being a, like a sheep that is led to the slaughter, like, and slaughter, by the way, that's just a harsh word anyways. Like, it just sounds bad. And here it says, is like, a sheep led to the slaughter. Here's what I understand. As I think about the sacrifice and what, what we were getting to, as Paul was talking about in Romans, is simply this. That there is something about understanding the sufferings of Christ that you and I share in. Like you and I share in those sufferings. And you can say, well, I don't know, you know, how totally true that is, but, but it is. Like for you and I to really experience Christ, you and I have to sit there with his suffering at times. That's why last week when we sat at the Lord's table and we wanted you to feast at the Lord's table, there's a part that has to deal with the cross. There's a part that has to deal with Jesus being put upon the cross. There's a part that you have to deal with about the beatings that he took. And again, the beatings that he took were immense and cruel. 
I mean, the cat of nine tails that they would have used, it was basically this ball of tar that they would use that they would put shards of pottery and glass and nails. Anything that they could, they would put it in there and they would strike it across your back. And when they struck your back, it really would grab a hold of your flesh a little bit and just rip it apart. Like that's the brutality of that. I'll never forget watching the passion of Christ. And after they show Jesus' body being beaten and bloody and all that, they show him dragging this cross around this, this dusty stone road. And all I could think about when I used to play softball uh, over here at uh, a morbid field and stuff, you know, in Lincoln Park, they had that little rocky stuff. And, and uh, when I was younger, I used to slide. When I got older, I slid, and I'm not doing that anymore. Because you would have all those rocks and stuff and cuts on you. And man, when you got in the shower, you tried to clean that thing up. It was painful. Jesus experienced this immense pain. His body being beaten. And there he carries the cross to this dusty road. And it says from time to time, he falls under the weight of the cross. And then he's put on the cross. And then he's made fun of and he's mocked. He has a spear placed in his side. When he's on the cross, they put nails in his feet and his hands. And they do it in such a way that you almost could suffocate. But what you'll find yourself doing is you'll have to lift yourself on your feet in order to get a big breath of air. Now, can you imagine doing that with a nail or a spike in your feet? Like, that's what he had to come up to. And so when I come and take communion, I understand the suffering for a moment. And I have to think, and it causes a little bit of emotion in me, to think that that's how much he loved me, that he was willing to sacrifice for me. And church... There will be some of us through life that will have to sacrifice in one way or another. And for some of you, it may eventually cost your life. But as Paul said, whether I'm still alive or whether I'm dead, as we talked about Philippians, I still gain either way. And you and I, when we have those moments that we suffer with Christ, they should be a moment where we say, Lord, as Paul said, just to find a way to rejoice. Thank you, Lord. I'm experiencing just a moment, just a little bit of what, you, of what you experienced so that I might be freed and I might be offered salvation. You see, I see it as this. I see that when you and I sacrifice, it's an opportunity of goodness because an opportunity of goodness comes from a sacrifice. An opportunity of goodness comes from a sacrifice. Think about this. Without Christ being put on the cross... Without him dying, you and I never have a way of salvation. He took the pain and punishment that you and I deserved. He said, look, I know you're a guilty people. I know you got messed up things in your life. But he said this, I love you so much that I'm willing to offer my body as a sacrifice. And it was a once and for all sacrifice. That means that you and I don't have to sacrifice anything else anymore. What it means is that you and I stand before the cross And we recognize a Savior that died for us. We recognize a Savior that loves us. And we pray in his name that we might be saved. It says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Once you and I confess our sins and we ask Christ to come in our life, the transaction is done. But here's the deal. The opportunity comes that you and I have to decide if we're going to step into that or not. 
It's nothing that he's gonna force us into, but it's an opportunity he offers us. You know, I, I was thinking about this and um, I see um, you know, a little baby here and there's little other babies. I, by the way, the church has had this little bit of explosion with babies recently. I don't know if you've known that, but we've got a lot of babies here going on, okay? Uh, and it's just an exciting time. But each time I look at those little ones, and if you're in a right and healthy relationship with parents, one of the things that you'll find as a parent is you know what it means to sacrifice. There are some things probably in our selfishness that we would like for ourselves, but we have such a love and desire to see our kids succeed that we'll sacrifice time and money. We'll sacrifice our own needs for their needs. You know why your parents probably have clothes that are still like from way back when? It's because they want to make sure that you have the clothes that you need today. And so as much as you make fun of them, it was a sacrifice that they made for you. There's a sacrifice of time and energy that happens. They're setting aside money. There's making sure that they can get to college or they're getting the right job filled. And we do all this, and at the end of the day, our kids may call us stupid. They may call us names. They may reject everything that we did. But the reason why you do it is why? Because you have a deep love for them. And you're hoping at the end of the day, or maybe at the end of this life, that the sacrifice that you made, that one day your kids will be like, wow, mom and dad did that so that I could have an opportunity to succeed in life. And you and I are willing to do that as parents. Why? Because we love our kids. And it's the way that we'll show them. Even though they may reject us, even though they may put us down, we still say at the end of the day, I just want you to know my love for you. And when Jesus went on the cross for you and I, it was an opportunity for us to experience the goodness of salvation and for us to experience that you and I can one day be in heaven with him rejoicing. So I lied about the last passage that uh, a couple passages ago that I said Dylan read. This is the passage he actually read. I realized when I got into it. But Romans 12 one says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You see, being a sacrifice gives us a chance to sell, show, and speak of the goodness of God. Some of you probably don't like that word sell. Like, how do we sell somebody on this? But listen, you and I know that if we are excited about something, like, we'll sell them on it. You know, again, I'm a, I'm a big Bengals fan. So right early on, I tried to sell my kids on the idea that the Bengals are the best team out there, okay? Even when they were losing, I was just like, no. Like, you don't understand. If you want to be a Christian, you have to like the Bengals, okay? So that's just all there is to it, you know? I trained my kids in various things. I trained them on Ohio State. I told them that this is God's team, you know? And, uh, and I explained to them how basically uh, Michigan was basically vomit. And so when my, when, my, when my one kid would throw up, he's like, Dad, I just did a Michigan. And I was like, yep, yep, that's just how they smell right there, you know, like that. <laughs> I want to sell them on the idea because I want them to enjoy the teams that I enjoy. And there's something, honestly, when you and I experience the love and grace of God, that you and I want to sell this to the world. You know, and that's why Paul says this. Paul says, listen to this word. He says, therefore, I urge 
In other words, I want to do everything I can to sell you on the idea that Jesus Christ can make a difference in your life. And where is Paul coming from? Paul is coming from a person who would literally abuse other Christians. Like he was present at Stephen's stoning. When Stephen was stoned for being a Christian, Paul was present. He was right there. Like he experienced sort of this hatred of, like he had a love for God. He didn't have a love for Jesus. But then Paul had an experience with Jesus Christ. And he went around full circle and he said, I've got to tell you guys about Jesus. You remember that I was one of the Jews and, and I followed the law every which way you could. But at the end of the day, none of it matters. What matters most is Jesus. Like Jesus has this incredible experience that you and I can have. And Paul does everything he can to sell it. And I have to tell you that once you've had an experience with Jesus, there should be something in your life that says, look, I want you to have that as well. I know the difference he's made in my life. Like, I look at my life, and even though it has its ups and downs, like when I look at people that are going through other things in the world, I think to myself, how can they do this without Christ? Somebody just recently asked me who, who, who lost a loved one. They said, man, I don't know how you do this. Like, how do you go from death to death. How do you do all those funerals? And what I thought to myself is, <laughs> when they're a Christian, it's actually very easy. Because they know whom they have believed. And they've been able, and they experienced, and now they're in the presence of Jesus. Knowing that everything that they went through, everything that they suffered through, everything that they experienced in life, made it all worth it because now they're in eternity with Christ in heaven. And so I can't help but think of a better word that says that you and I need to sell it. You and I need to talk about Jesus from time to time with other people. And we need to say it in a very positive light. We need to understand that Jesus makes a difference. And by the way, it shouldn't be fake for us, but it should be real for us. And then secondly, I would say this. Because Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. And I love that word offer because what it means is it says, I'm willing to put my life on the line for Jesus. You see, when I think about that, I think that's about showing. You know, there, there are things that happen to us in this life that probably don't make us very happy. But as a Christian... I'm not going to respond the way the world does. Like, I think the end is probably closer than we've ever experienced it. And especially in America, there's some crazy things we're going through. But at the end of the day, I still know that God's in control. And even though I may experience all this junk out there, I have to let people know that I'm not afraid because I know whom I have believed. And he is able. I know that even through some of life's circumstances, even the deaths that we've experienced, even the diseases that we've experienced, even sort of the social issues in our lifetime, even the hatred that we felt from other people, even some of the things that we experienced, like I'm just not going to respond the way the world does, where the world gets upset and aggravated and but I'm going to show and sacrifice my body because I want to show the love of Jesus. 
And so you and I, from time to time, when we get in situations, what I pray is this. I pray that you and I will have enough of a pause to say, you know what? If I can learn how to respond better and I can forget about my own desires and my own selfishness, maybe this will go a long way to helping this person understand the love of Jesus. Like you and I literally become the hands and feet of Christ. And those hands and feet had nails in them. Those hands and feet experienced true pain and suffering. So even though in this life I may experience some of the most ridiculous things, and for some, and some Christians have experienced this, they've even lost their life. But at the end of the day, what I'm hoping that they'll say is, but he or she showed the love of Christ through their suffering. One of the most precious things I've ever done is when I go with people and they're going through diseases or they're suffering and they still give praise to God. I'm just like, and I think, look at the testimony that they're offering, those doctors and nurses that are there. And then what I find is this, as he says, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is true and proper worship. What I found is that when you and I sell the idea of Jesus and we show Jesus to others, I find that it gives us an opportunity to speak to others about Christ. Like that's when they're willing to sit down and listen. And we started something in our house that we haven't done for a long time, which I'm embarrassed to say, but we've made sure that on the days we don't have church that we do devotions as a family. And I love those times because what we have to watch is that we don't get so amped up and get so upset with each other that we don't have an opportunity to share his word together. Because if we're all upset with each other, guarantee no one's listening because you're just thinking about what you're upset with. But you have an opportunity to sit down and to hear Jesus. You know, the way you and I respond in the world, it matters if people will listen. Because what happens if we respond poorly and negatively, they'll say, they're no different than anybody else, which is a true statement. But therefore, I urge you, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Church, I'm going to ask that you stand with me this morning. And uh, just for a moment, um, I want you to just close your eyes. And I just simply want to ask this question. But in the first part of the text, we started talking about how that a need to ask this Jesus who died for our sins into our life. If you've never asked Christ into your life and you feel like the Holy Spirit is just prompting you saying, hey, 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 this is a decision you need to make today. Would you please just raise your hand up and I just wanna pray for you as we ask Christ in our life this morning. Thank you, got you here in the front, thank you. Yes. Let's pray together, Father God, we as a people want to thank you for ministering to our spirits and our souls right now. We've, we've went through the 23rd Psalm and there's such a richness in there. And we understand that everything David went through was an experience that we can have today. And so there are some that have lifted their hands today. And so we want to pray this prayer with them. The Father, I recognize that I am a sinner. I recognize that I have junk in my life. And I recognize that I'm no different than anybody else in here.
But what I want to do differently, and I've some have already done, I want to confess my sins before you. And I want to ask that you would come and free me of this sin, because that's what you did on the cross. Like you shed your blood for us so that we might be forgiven. And then we pray, Lord, that you would take our sin and you would throw it as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. And so we confess with our mouth that you are Lord and believe in our heart that Jesus was raised from the dead. And so help us today to know that we are guaranteed heaven. And Father, I pray for those who just made that commitment this morning. And probably even some that didn't raise their hands and there are just others in this room that just made that commitment. And Father, here's what I pray. I pray that tomorrow, even when they leave this place, as the enemy attacks and says, man, that wasn't real. That's not all it takes. I pray that we would recognize it is what it takes because you are the only way to heaven because that's what your word tells us. And that's what you said here on earth. And we come to the place because we know who we have believed in, that he is able. And so, Father, keep us from all the harm that the enemy may throw our way. And for the rest of us, Father, who have at times probably haven't lived our life as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you, I pray that we would begin to sell you to other people. And not just sell in the way like a a used car salesman or anything, but I just pray that we would show people how you've made our lives different. And then I pray for opportunities to speak and to lead somebody to you. So, Father, thank you for meeting with us now. May we leave this place to change people. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, church, thanks for being here today. So we want you to leave with God. See you next week. Thanks again for listening. If you are located in the Marion area, we would love to have you join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fantastic children and student ministries, please visit us at dayspringwesleyan.org. That's dayspringwesleyan.org.